hi this is i'm (laughs) (laughs) once you know it's for real you're like (laughs) (laughs) hi i'm kirsten jones and i'm Susie walton and this is our podcast hashtag raising athletes with kirsten and Susie. our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes but extraordinary people Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us (laughs) about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. Here we go. Okay. Hey, Susie. How Hello, are you? my dear. How are you? <laughs> hey, welcome back. Episode Thanks. Four. Yeah, everybody. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so today, you know, we're a couple days late. We were both sick. So we're, we're doing this a few days after the exact moment happened. But I was so impressed with the Super Bowl. Obviously, a great finish for so many people. You know, we're excited to see Philadelphia win for the first time ever. Um, and I think one of the most impressive parts about it was their quarterback who really um, I'd never heard of him. Not that I'm a huge, huge pro football fan, but watching him um, operate the way he did in the finals, but then after and hearing the interview where he talked about um, what had happened. And so I got really curious and started kind of uncovering his story and he actually was cut from the Rams back in 2016. And I found this video of the coach from the Rams that they videotaped of him calling him and saying, Hey buddy, how's your summer? Hope you, hope you and your family have had a lot of, a lot of downtime, you know, just wanted to call you to let you know that we're going in a different direction. So I wish you well, and I hope you land on your feet. And it was one of those, you can only imagine what it felt like to be on the other end of the line for him um, probably maybe feeling a little bit like he knew what was coming, but at the same time, you know, that's never the call you want to get. Right. Mm-hmm. And he apparently went out fishing with his brother-in-law not long after, I think, and said, you know what? I think I'm done like this. I've been back and forth and this has never really worked out the way I thought it would. And his brother-in-law said, you know, just give it, give it one more shot. Right? Give it another <laughs> and if you look back on his story and you think, well, he made it to the NFL, he probably had this one victory after another story that got him to this point. But then you uncover that story. And in fact, of course, he was a, a great athlete as a high school basketball and football player, multi-sport athlete. But he got drafted or he played for Michigan State, was riding the bench, so ends up transferring to Arizona. Um, trying to get into a starting role, got a starting role, but the team went 15 and 18. So for three years that he's there, they, they did not have winning seasons. And in fact, his final season, they only won four games. 
So he comes out of that in the 2012 draft, and he's the 88th pick <laughs> overall. So hardly a slam dunk, right? Not like, okay, I know this is exactly what I'm going to do. He's the third round selection. And he, you know, they really wanted Russell, West, Russell Wilson, but, you know, they took him anyway. And in fact, in 2015, when he was with the Rams, he threw as many touchdown passes as he threw interceptions. Right? So one example. What kept of, him going? Right? Okay. And then after that, he gets released and he gets brought into Kansas City. He gets released from them. He goes to Philadelphia. And here he is in, you know, with, back with Philadelphia playing for this all-star Carson Wentz. And you know what his mindset is? I'm so lucky to play with this guy. He's so amazing. He's such a hard worker. I get to learn from him every day. Not bitter, not woe is me, but I get a chance to be here. And again, just a couple weeks ago, finally, he gets the opportunity to finally get on the field. Um, of course, like when it mattered most, and even as recently as three or four weeks ago, some of the sportscasters were saying, yeah, they should trade him. He stinks. You know, he's not going to make it. So what I want to talk today about, what is it that drives the, the most successful people? Like, what are those things that they go back to when headwind after headwind after headwind? I mean, in the 2012 draft, he was labeled as that he's a team player with great character who isn't phased by anything. And to me, that kind of sums up what he must be about in order to, to handle all of the, that blowback and still be excited to be there, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know much about him or his family, but as you're talking about it, my thoughts are... Um, well, for example, like Thomas Edison, 10,000 times before he figured out that light bulb, what kept him going? Or Jonas Salk, you know, over 100 times before he figured out that vaccine. And actually, he was asked, what kept you going with all those mistakes? Like, what kept you motivated? Kind of like this guy, right? Like, what kept him going? And Jonas answered, basically, his answer was, in our family, mistakes were never thought of as failures they were only thought of as other experiences. And he goes, and I'm, in, in his own words, he basically said, I was okay not finding the vaccine any sooner than I did because all I, I learned so much through my so-called mistakes. So I think for Nick, <clears throat> there must be somewhere in his family life that mistakes were never um, thought of <clears throat> as a bad thing, but a, a learning, a, a building of a character. Like you, we all know that. There's no learning and doing everything right learning takes place in our failures, in our so-called mistakes. And so looking at mistakes as experiences, not as failures. So this kid, this guy, this young man, he's had so many experiences, which is what life is. There's no better teacher of life than life itself. And this guy's had a full life so far. However, you know, he's not even that old, but yeah. you can just even tell by what his brother-in-law said, nah, whatever. Give it another try versus, yeah, you're, you're done. Like, I can't believe you're still going after all these years. But so you can see that mindset just within that whole family unit. Like, yeah, go for it. Let's see what happens. It's really Carol Dweck's growth mindset, right? Which is uh, people with growth mindset aren't phased by the mistakes. They're like, hmm, that was interesting. 
I wonder, I wonder why, why that happened. Let's try it again. Mm -hmm. Let me see how I do. Yeah, reminded of um, Sarah Blakely, who started Spanx. And she said her father, every night at the dinner table, he said, what did you fail at today? And it became this celebration of what did you try that didn't go the way you planned? So she said, when I came up with this idea, I was selling copiers and I came up with this idea. It just never, like, if this doesn't work out, oh, well. I'll just keep trying something else. And that's what, you know, you talk about entrepreneurs or people who have been very, very successful. You never hear about the thousand things that didn't go well. You didn't hear about JK Rowling shopping her book to 99 publishers before the hundredth publisher finally said, I don't know if we really need another wizard kid, but oh, well, you know, I guess, oh, well. We'll, yeah, I guess we'll try and get this book out there for you. Right. So yeah, yeah that, he, his quote the, the day after, um, he says, you know, I, th I think the big thing is don't be afraid to fail. In our society with Instagram and Twitter, it's a highlight reel. It's only the good things. And then we look at it when you have a rough day or your life isn't going as you think, you're failing. Well, failure isn't, is a part of life. And that's part of building character and growing. Without failure, who would you be? I wouldn't be up here if I hadn't fallen a thousand times and made a lot of mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not Superman. I have daily struggles. That's the opportunity for your character to grow. I'm just living in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I just put a, uh, on Facebook an article. It's called Adults Who Went Undercover at a High School Found Seven Things That People Don't Realize That Our Teens Are is in Their Life Today. And one of the ones is about the idea that you can't, make a mistake anymore without it going viral. viral you know and so it limits even the, the idea of wanting to make a mistake because there's a really good chance everybody's going to know about it within seconds and so that in itself is a, it's a it's a pressure and it's keeping our kids from wanting being comfortable making mistakes True. or in that movie um race to nowhere it's a 14, it's about, you know, a race nowhere. <laughs> and a 14-year-old girl says, well, I can't afford not to have an A in this class. If I, if I don't get a passing grade in this class, I'm not going to be able to get into the college of my dreams. And, you know, it, it's not okay because it, obviously that's not the college she needs to be at if, she, if one mistake is going to keep her out of it. So, you know, this guy, what a beautiful example of just going for it and like, whatever happens, I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, just try it one more time. Yeah. You had a great story about your son, too. Yeah, my, one of my kids, when he was, I think, 13 or 14 years old, um, eighth grade, he's he clearly, he, is a, he was an incredible ball player, and he, you know, he played all through college. He played over um, in, in, uh, overseas in France. But there was one time when a coach was one of the kids' dads, and this kid actually played the same position as my son. So being the dad was the coach, my son sat on the bench, and this other kid started. And my son was so upset by it. And he had every right to be upset. He was such a better ball player. But he went complaining about it. And, you know, and he was really upset. And his dad told him, listen, buddy, like, this is, use this as an opportunity to learn. Like, you are going to learn how to come off the bench. Because if you want to play college ball or professional ball, there's such a high percentage that you won't be a starter. So take this opportunity to have that experience and learn from it. And it was, what a beautiful message to give to our son, right? Yeah. And he did it, and he did well with it. And 
sure enough, when he went back to school back in Princeton, he didn't always start until his senior year, maybe, but boy, was he good coming off the bench. And what, you know, just a beautiful life lesson. Like don't give up because you're not getting what you think you should be getting or deserve. Right. It's this instant gratification world, yeah. right? Which is, you know, on our, you know, as much as you wanted to call this dad, you know, we didn't call the guy and say, what are you doing? Not starting our son. You know, he's better. Like, no, mm-hmm. parents, let your kids have these experiences. This is where they get to grow. Not by you running in and fixing it. Right. And I have a really good, strong feeling that this kid, guy, Nick, <laughs> I'm just going to call him Nick. He's just such a, yeah, he's a friend. He's a household name now. <laughs> Nick probably had parents who didn't constantly call in to try to fix situations for him. Yeah. And you might be laughing. Well, he, he was in college. Well, there's college, there's MBA, there's professional sport parents who are calling in and trying to get their <laughs> trying to get their kids more playing time or whatever it might be I'm so don't laugh the side too of the court. out to your parents <laughs> yeah, that's a happening now and you really want to stop it or even not even go there if you're thinking about it and it seems like too sometimes parents well my kids only this age so i can do it now but if you start it now right it becomes this habit that you have that then proceed it goes follows them all the way through middle school and high school and what to whatever level they'll get to play. If we don't empower them early on, like your husband did to help your son, help his, my former husband, your former husband, yeah, to help his son, then he's, he wouldn't have learned that lesson. Right. And so I just wanted to make it clear for you guys who've been listening to our podcast. This is different than what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the gymnastics when it comes to safety and you, you know, with your kids or questioning things that are going on with your kids, that's okay to step in. What we're talking about here is when playing time or starting or not starting, that's your kid thing. And if your kid has a problem with not starting or not getting playing time, they need to step up and talk to the coach, not you. So we're not, you know, you got to make sure it's not that you don't ever step in when it comes to your kid's safety and, and, all the crazy stuff that was going on with the gymnastics team, you know, girls, you step in. Yeah. But when it comes to playing time, starting, not starting, you back off and give your kids the tools and the, the verbiage to go and speak to the coach about it. Yeah. In fact, I'd like to do a, a role play exercise around that. But first I wanted to tee up one of my clients that I've been working with who, you know, kind of along these lines and tell you a little bit of her background and that kind of, um, dovetails nicely into what you're talking about. So she's a high school lacrosse player. She decided her whole vision and whole goal was to get into Stanford. She's a phenomenal student, um, has been playing lacrosse on the East Coast for the last six years and has really developed her game and got caught the eye of the Stanford coach and had flown out there two or three times to go to camps and and was being told, hey, you're one of our top, you know, we, we have three final candidates for a position, you know, one last position on the team. And just, you know, so for the last six months has essentially kind of put other colleges to the side and said, no, thanks. I'm focused on my dream school and kind of got the phone call that Nick Foles got from the Rams in 2016 that said, thank you so much for your effort. We'd like to go in and we're, we're going to go in another direction. And obviously devastated, like, this is what I've been working for. This is what I, I put all my eggs in one ba- the basket. I did everything they asked me to do. I, you know, I, I went out there with a great attitude. I got great feedback from them. 
And let's talk about what, <clears throat> what the, you know, the questions that the parents have, right, that obviously come up from this. Mm -hmm. Now you're getting to that next level. And what can we do as parents? And how, how should we support our child in a situation like this? Okay. So do you want to role play it or you want to uh, talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit and then we'll do a role play at the end okay. of that. So you know, what, is, what is the parent's role in this situation, do you think? Acknowledging that how the child must be feeling and yeah. listening and not making her right or wrong, not fixing it because she's not broken in this situation. She just has strong feelings about not going to this, her dream school, so to speak. So really being empathetic and listening and not fixing it or make, you know, coming up with excuses. And then once you go through the feelings, then where it's more neutral, you can, you know, if you feel like the child's ready for this next step, and that might not be till later on the next day or later that night, talk about like, what did they learn through the process? And all that they learned through the process, how can they use that to their advantage now as you decide what their next step is in life, you know, and, and to, you know, and to go that way, to use it to propel them forward. You know, pain's always going to be in our life, but suffering is a choice. We can sit in the suffering and wallow in it, or we can use that pain of not getting accepted into a school like Sanford and propel us to go forward into another direction that may work. Because Katy Perry has a line in uh, that song Fireworks, like, you know, when all the doors closes, maybe it's to open that one door that will lead you to what you were meant to do. Yeah. So um, that's what we need to do as parents. Yeah. Not call the coach and not call the school, <laughs> not call their high school coach who, you know, not to blame and just listen. It's just one of those blind, you know, bumps in the road that we all get to have experiences with at some point in time in our lives for sure. So you want to role play it a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So why don't you be the teen that didn't get accepted? Okay. I and just, I'll, first time I'll be the not very empathetic parent. Okay. So mom, I just got the call that I knew I didn't want to get, but they just called and said they're choosing Julie from California and not me. And I just can't believe it. Well, I, you know, I told you that. I told you that was always going to be a possibility and you chose not to do anything about it. You put all your eggs in this one basket and you can see it didn't work for you. So now what are you going to do? Yeah, but you told me like I should really go for what I want. That's what I was doing. I was going for what I wanted. Don't be blaming me on this one. You, obviously, you didn't do something good enough. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way. That's pretty bad. This place, that, in that way, you kind of hate me and you never tell me anything. But here's, yeah. here's another way that's worse. Let's do it again. Okay. So I finally got the news that I have been dreading. Like I thought I was it. They told me I was one of three. And now they've decided to go in another direction. They said no to you? Stanford said no? And I've got the best grades and I was- You have the best grades. What else could you have done? This nothing. is not okay. I'm gonna go call that coach right now and give her a good piece of my mind, honey. That is not okay. Let me see what I can do about it. Actually, I have some good friends who are alumni at Stanford and maybe they can help get you in. So, hey, don't, let me see what I can do to take care of this. Won't that be embarrassing, though, for me? If you're it caught? doesn't matter. You deserve this. You've done all what you've needed to do. They pretty much promise you that's the part that's not okay, honey. I'm going to go see what I can do. 
I, I do want you to fix it, but I don't want you to fix it. <laughs> but, but that would be nice. But parents who are listening to that, that's even worse. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, you're basically telling your daughter or your son that they're not capable and that without this, they're going to fall apart and their world has come to an end. <laughs> so maybe we should do it a third way now, the way the more effective way. <laughs> yeah, let's try that. All right. Oh, I just got the worst news. It was... I, I thought for sure I was going to be the one. I've been holding on for the last six months. I closed every other door. What am I going to do now? Oh, so Stanford said no to you, huh? I, I don't understand. I did everything. I did everything they asked. I know. I don't understand either. So bummed. Like what, now? I'm so what, disappointed. Yeah. What? Do, what? Now what do I do? Like I've said no to these other schools that had opportunities and now they don't have opportunities. So hang in there for a minute. Why don't you feel how feel the sadness around that? You've worked so hard. Don't go running off to the next school yet. Sweetie, just sit with it. Don't do anything with it right now. Besides just sit with it. It must, it's a major disappointment for you. It is. What do you need right now to take care of you? We'll deal with that other stuff in a little bit, but what do you need right now for you? I need to go vent. Yeah. Go exercise because then I'll feel better after I do. Why don't you give that a try and then we can talk more about options. That's good. That feels much better. Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes parents think we have to go ahead and make it better for them instantly. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Right. If you, especially if you have a child that's willing to fill. Like, just let them sit with it for a little bit. Do you find that parents, they're experiencing their own pain and loss, right? So they're not trying to solve it for their kid, but they're trying to heal themselves. Those are the parents who are like, okay, honey, it's really sad. Don't worry. I'm sure we'll find another school. Yeah, they're, they're running from their own feelings. Yeah. Right. But if you're comfortable being in that feeling of sadness or disappointment, then you're more willing to like, just, hey, hey, wait, wait, sit with it. Right. Just sit with it. There's, it. Don't take it away so quickly. This is a strong feeling for you. Yeah. And some of you might be thinking out there, okay, I have a son. There's no way. I would still say sit with it. I had a son. <laughs> I do still have this son. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he'd call me at 2 or 3 in the morning after a basketball game. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, this didn't go well. And he, you know, he'd be on the road somewhere and you know, the coach didn't play him much or whatever or blamed him for the loss. And, he, you know, he was just so mad. You know, he's like, I, I want to go, go yell at him or whatever. I'm like, hey, buddy, I get you're really mad at him. Totally get it. And rather than do that, why don't you go just take a shower right now and cry your heart out? And this is a college kid, you guys. And, you know, he didn't say, okay, thanks, mom. That's a good idea. But he learned. And I never asked him later, did you go in a shower and just cry your heart out? But I know he never went and beat up his coach, so that was <laughs> <laughs> Stay that on was the good news. <laughs> but he just had these feelings, right? And I wanted him to feel it, so that's why I'd go take a shower, yeah, and just let whatever come out come out of you, whether it's yelling, screaming, or crying. I totally yeah, get we feel like they sh- yeah they shouldn't have the feelings, but we want them to have the feelings. Yeah, that's that where emotional just- that's emotional intelligence. That's where we get to actually get done with the feeling and move on to a different feeling or now go into problem solving. So what are we going to do now that we're not going to Stanford or where, whatever the situation is? Yeah. 
Yeah. I had an academic situation like that yesterday when my son was really focused. He's finally really junior in high school. I know I need to do well. He wanted to get it, you know, a very good GPA this semester. And he texts me in the middle of the day yesterday and says, I have an 89.5 in biology. Dude, what are you going to do? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't think he'll round up. So I said, what are you going to do? He's like, I, I guess I can go talk to him. So I think that's a great idea. Um, make eye contact and smile and ask him what his policy is. And he came home that last night and I said, how'd it go? So he doesn't round up. Said, <laughs> oh, no. Ouch. That hurts, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and I'm so bummed. He's still got a great GPA this semester like better than he ever has, mm -hmm. but he was so disappointed. And I said, but there's the silver lining, right? Is that you now have a, hold yourself to a higher standard. So now you're not going to wait until the final final to see if you can, they, they'll round up or not. You're going to go in with the 93 or 95 so that you can make sure you're safe, right? And <laughs> owning that, he's like, yeah, but right now I'm in pain. I got the 89.5 and I'm like, yeah, Welcome to a B plus, right? <laughs> Welcome to a B plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish I had a few more B pluses in my high school career. <laughs> I don't know why, but. It all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. All right. So let's round this off by yeah. talking about, so top tips that we can give this athlete. Let's, you know, call her Julie, who was trying to get into college to her dream school and it didn't work out. So what advice would we have for her if plan A doesn't go as hoped, right? Yeah, you know, um, as we talked about earlier, like, you know, talking about talk, calling the school and talking about, you know, becoming a walk-on. Yeah. Can I just walk on? Like, if you know, if you can afford going to Stanford and be a walk-on, go for it. Yeah, you a lot of these know. schools have preferred walk-ons. And if you I, have a great academic GPA, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, ask, can I earn a scholarship if I walk on And Most schools will say yes. Yeah. I can't guarantee it. But yeah. yes, of course, if you are to that level, we can offer you a scholarship, you know, in two years when our seniors graduate or something like that. So to have the conversation, because obviously in this situation, Stanford was very interested in her. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, they're giving up on her. So I'm, I would think they would love to get a call from her and say, well, what about this option? Um, and then also, you know, to come, come up with other schools. Yeah. Like, seriously, if she was going to Stanford, there's got to be some other schools that would just love to have her. There's 2,200 you know? schools out there, right? And, <laughs> which means there's yeah. not just one size fits all. Right. Uh, one, one, there's and only one for you. There's plenty of fish. And it might be just a gift right. all together. Yeah. This is your yeah. Nick Foles moment of something else appearing that you don't even know is out there that you know could be a very um ideal fit for you right yeah so coming up with a wish list uh, yeah i would say one is you know going back circling the wagons with the school finding out preferred walk-ons number two is it's a research project for your athlete have her find out okay yes maybe you a few doors did close but she's a junior she still has a full year there's plenty yeah. i mean okay maybe your top five percent have have declared but there's still plenty of, of opportunities if you really want to play to find um, scholarships still that are still available, right? And if there's not, you got parents out there, 
there's nothing wrong with your kids going to a junior college and playing for two years there yeah. and just getting experience under their belt and then transferring. If your kids are good, they're Someone's going to find them. Yeah. And so, you know, one of my others, I have a couple of sons that are coaching one that's coaching at a junior college. Some coaches came, college coaches came to look at this one kid on the team, but my son said, check out this one too. Like he's the purest shooter we have, you know, and, and now this kid has some offers to some small four-year colleges to play, you know, so it, it there's not, it's not an at all. If you go to junior college, there's a lot of junior, there's, I mean, look at, um, it was Mark Harmon. He was a, my, a classmate of mine at uh, Pierce and he played football at Pierce and he went on to be a quarterback at UCLA. So it, it's not an end all. So think of, don't shy away from junior colleges too. Right. And save, you know, if you can't get the scholarship, you're saving a ton of money. A ton of money. Right. Yeah. 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 To get your undergrad um, prereqs out of the way or whatever. And then the, the final piece, I think number three is really, staying in gratitude there there are things that have gotten you to this level and a lot of it comes by being in receiving and obviously all the hard work that she's done all the hours of practice all the willingness to get up all the willingness to do all the homework all of that is an attitude and a success mode that she's already established and will mm -hmm. be able to apply to whatever the next opportunity that comes around right right you know, and I like your idea of, you know, creating that positive affirmation. Yeah. You know, something to the effect, I have my place, it's coming, I'm deserving, I'm working hard every day, keep doing the work. You know, and but do it because it's who you are. And it's, and it's, it's like Nick, our good friend Nick. <laughs> and he just kept going. He didn't stop. He just, he didn't look at it as something bad. Like, oh, didn't do well there. 20 passes, 20 completes, 20 interceptions. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I'm having fun and I want to just keep playing. So why not just keep playing? Yeah. You know, what a great I, mindset. I love that we can't be in fear and in love at the same time. So we get to choose every day. We get to choose whether we're going to sit there and talk, think about what isn't possible, what door has closed, what won't ever happen, or we can focus on what we want to bring into being, which I call remembering the future. So looking oh, I like that yeah Good. it's a beautiful a uh, ex exercise I do with my clients around um, and it's really fun to do with young kids particularly just about a single game like go in and picture the best game that you've ever had and the hoop is 20 feet wide and you're 10 feet behind the line and you can't miss and everybody's high-fiving you and your endorphins shift your you know everything goes up just by having that visualization around what's possible. And when you get into that mindset, then, oh yeah, yeah, remember I had that one coach looked at me at that tryout and remember, like all of a sudden things start, miracles start happening, which really is just about your energy shifting. And we're all connected, we're, we're all interconnected and that's, that's the energy of the universe working with you and helping nice. you, you get Very there, good. right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so I just love this subject of failure because it's always been one of my Achilles heels is when I don't do something to what I believe is the right level, I have shame. And it's something that I now at 48 am getting better at. I realize, again, failure isn't bad. It's information yeah, and it helps mistake, you figure out. You know, if we don't re recognize mistake as a gift, we go to shame. How yeah. we've done that, what, you know, how dare, whatever, first of all, I made a mistake. 
what do I need to do to clean it up? What do I need to do differently next time? Yeah. So yeah, it's big. Beautiful. Good. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and say thanks so much for listening. You can check out any tools we offered in today's podcast and the links we've included in the show notes. And while you're at it, be sure to click on and subscribe button in your listening app so that you never miss an episode and then share hashtag raising athletes with other parents who are interested in sports with their kids and who also desire a little inspiration and support in helping their teen reach peak performance on the court, in the classroom, and most importantly, in their belief in themselves. Our greatest desire is to create a a parenting community where you feel supported and heard. So please feel free to email us any questions or comments you'd like to hear addressed on the podcast to support at raisingathletes.com. And remember, when we know better, we do better. So let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) Woohoo! Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks for that. That was good. That was a good one.